This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Today, if you have your Bible, Philippians chapter 4, if you have your Bible, if you have a real Bible, can you hold it up? Real Bible? Real Bible? All right. Okay. Three people. Okay. Any digital Bibles? iPhones? Anybody still have a Razor phone? All you can do is text somebody and say, hey, bring me your Bible. That's all you can do with a Razor phone. Uh, and he came and texted him. You got to call them because you have to put, press the same button four times to text somebody on a Razor phone. Uh, so Philippians chapter 4, we believe in the Bible. We're going through the book of Philippians because uh, we believe the power in the Word of God. We wanted to take, we always preach in the Word of God. We want to take some time and just unpack and show you that there's so much truth in every verse for your life and my life. And I, we started this to really highlight the Word of God, but I've been so encouraged by this book. Such an encouraging book. As we shared, Paul was in prison. He was under arrest. He was actually in a really bad part of life. And I find that fascinating because sometimes uh, Instagram, I don't know if you're on Instagram, I'm on Instagram. There's so many quotes and leadership um, uh, tidbits and clips and motivation and sometimes I'm feeling like it's hard to get motivation. Sometimes when you, like, I'm thinking, they have their life together. They're like, come on, money doesn't buy you happiness, but it does pay the bills. Can someone say amen? And you're thinking, you're on your yacht giving me motivation. I don't even know if that, I kind of like that Paul was in a down part of his life, in a trying part of his life, and this is what he believed. This is what he preached. This is what he was passionate about. It makes it more valid to me. Makes it more valid to me. And we're going through Philippians, and we're going to start reading in verse chapter 4. We're going to read in verse 4 to verse 9. If you're there, uh, you can see in your scripture. Otherwise, you'll see it on the screen behind me. But can I challenge you? Get a Bible. We're going to go through the Bible intentionally this fall. Bring a Bible to church. There's something about it that happens. Something about your kids need to see you reading your Bible. Your spouse needs to see you carrying your Bible. There's something about you. Can, you want to change the atmosphere? Walk into Starbucks and open a Bible and put it on the table. Watch what happens. Any other book, nothing happens. I had a friend that got so excited about Christianity, they got newly saved. A friend named Adam, he didn't know what kind of Bible to buy. He bought a family Bible. Do you remember those? They were so big, it came with someone to carry it. That's how big it was. And he used to take that with a huge family. It was amazing. Uh, it was like a workout. It was like God's gym. Just carry that Bible everywhere. It was awesome. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will be experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. God's bigger than your mind. You can't understand God's goodness. If he was small enough for your mind, he wouldn't be big enough for your need, church. I don't understand all this. People go, the, the Bible, I, I don't understand all the Bible. There's parts of the Bible I wish that was not there. But I can tell you this, God's bigger than my understanding. I believe in education and understanding and wisdom, but some things don't add up. I don't understand how God could forgive me for my sin. I don't understand how God could forgive you for some of your sins. I don't understand it, but I enjoy it. God is bigger than what you can understand. That is so good. His peace will guard your hearts. And minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. On what is honorable. On what is right. And pure and lovely and admirable. Think these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. 
then the peace, of, the God of peace, then the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace will be with you. Today, for the next few minutes, for the next 25 or 30 minutes allotted to me, I want to talk on this title. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down, this note somewhere, so you'll remember it when you need it on Wednesday or Thursday. This, this title, Shooting Statues. Shooting Statues. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the generosity in this church. I thank you again for those kids waking up today, those families. It's just a little bit of help with this back to school. Father, I bless them today. I pray they know that there's a church that loves them, that doesn't want anything from them, just wants to celebrate them. Father, I thank you for those that are here today. Some on top of the world, we celebrate that their lives right now are in blessing. And some, the world's on top of them, and they feel like they're not going to make it through another week. God, meet us both where we're at. God, on top of the mountain and in the valley. God, I thank you that you're here today. Now, God, I pray these next few minutes would not just be information or entertainment, but God, we're asking for transformation, that we walked in one way, but we will leave differently. We'll leave with more hope, more love, more joy, more like you. Holy Spirit, we love you. We're thankful that you are powerful, that you are active, and you are involved in our lives and our church. Thank you for our kids right now that are meeting. Thank you for every ministry in this church, and thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Shooting statues. Unpack Philippians chapter 4. We've been going through this this book, and I want to unpack a few verses. It says in verse uh, 6 and 7, it says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. This verse is all about stress and anxiety. Recently, a few months ago, I preached a message called Anything and Everything talking about these very verses. That verse seems familiar. It's because only a few months ago, I preached a message called Anything and Everything. And I'll be honest, uh, some messages I don't remember. If you're thinking, I don't remember that message. There's a lot of messages I preach, I don't remember. Someone will say, I really enjoyed that message. And they'll quote it. I'm like, I've never heard that before in my life. I'll say to my wife, what did I preach last week? And she's like, um, um. I'm like, I'm just kidding. I don't remember either. (laughs) But this message, Anything and Everything, I go back to almost daily. In my own life, as preachers, they say that you'll never be out of material if you preach where you live, what you're going through. My own life, I've been going through, uh, in the last year, more anxiety and stress like I've never dealt with before. I've, I've seen some highs and low moments. We've gone through some things, and I've had some traumatic experiences and amazing experiences. And in all of that, I never struggle with anxiety or stress. Uh, but in the last year, I've been on a journey of dealing with anxiety and panic attacks like I've never had. Just even in May, uh, in, uh, the week after Easter, I had a panic attack that set me back four days. I couldn't leave my house for four days. Couldn't leave my house. Nancy tried to get me in her car to go for ice cream or a slushie or something helpful because ice cream fixes a lot of things. Come on. And uh, you might be on the rocky road, but go get some rocky road. You know what I mean? And uh, honestly, it was, a, it was a tough, tough, tough few weeks. And she got me in the car, I guess, as far as the stop sign, and I felt like I was... I couldn't stay in the car, and, and uh, we just had to step back. And since April, uh, probably four or five times consistently dealing with panic attacks. We've gone to doctors and working through it. And as I go through medical and I go through uh, all the ways I believe in doctors and their help and going through uh, all the different venues, I've also been wrestling through the Word of God for my own life because I see this in so many conversations with people going through anxiety, panic attacks, some of you going through depression. And I believe this Bible not only works on a Sunday morning, come on somebody, it works on your Monday morning. And I'm so thankful for a God and a faith that works on a Monday morning, not just on a Friday night or a Sunday morning. Anything and everything. Talking about if it's important to you, take it 
to God. Pray about, if you don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. That if it's something that you would worry about, that's something you can pray about. And I have intentionally, we've been working as a family, but intentionally taking things on my mind, on my heart, to God. I believe that there's help in Scripture. I believe that there is, there is help in this. I, I heard it called fear versus faith, that anxiety, that it's fear versus faith. And that's actually wrong. People say it's, it's, it's fear versus faith. You've got to choose, brother. Do you want faith or do you want fear? It's not fear versus faith. It's actually faith versus faith. Anxiety is just faith in the wrong source. This is what I'm learning. It's not fear versus faith. All fear is, is faith in a wrong source. Your mind starts playing worst case scenarios. What if this happens to me? What if this happens to my family? What if this happens to my life? And as you start to believe that report, fear and anxiety starts to whelm up inside of you. All fear is, is faith in a wrong source. This verse is not fear versus faith. It's, it's stress and anxiety versus peace. It's faith versus faith. The question is, what is your source? Faith defined is confidently, in Hebrews 11, it says it this way. It, it, it says it's confidently believing in things hoped for, but not yet seen. Faith is confidently believing. Sometimes the fear in my life and your life, we confidently believe it's going to happen. We haven't seen it happen, but we have this confident belief that it's going to come down. It's going to go bad. You're going to get diagnosed with. You're going to have to deal with. That's not going to work. And we starting putting faith into the fear voices in our head. I'm not going to show a raise of hands, but I know many in this room, you've dealt with this. I believe God is helping me and God, I've seen miracles in the last few weeks, few months, and more to come, and I believe for miracles for our church. But I believe it's faith versus faith. The question is, where is your source of your faith today? Fear isn't the opposite of faith. It's, 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 it's faith in the wrong source. My question is, who will you believe today? Who will you believe? Heard this story this week in the, in the 1750s and when Canada was forming and they were, uh, there was a battle over our nation between the British and the French. They were fighting over what would become Canada, over this new world, the resources and trade routes and establishing cities and, and, and legacy. And the British and the French fought. In the 1750s, there was an admiral of the British fleet named Admiral Phipps. And he came up to St. Lawrence and he parked the fleet, the British fleet, outside Quebec City. And his orders to General Phipps was, stay there and wait until the ground forces come and then give support, give artillery support with your cannons to attack the, the French as the British troops storm Quebec City. General Phipps was with his men in the ship and they were sitting there in the St. Lawrence. And he, as he waited, he started to get annoyed by the statues on the walls of the city. If you've been to Quebec City, it's a stunning place. And this one cathedral had all these statues around the city on the walls. And as he was sitting there looking up at this cathedral and the city, he started to get annoyed. He started to get, he started to get upset. He started to get frustrated by these statues looking down on him. As he waited, he commanded his men and said, who can shoot the most of these statues? And these men started unloading their cannons, trying to shoot these statues off their perches around the city. No one knows how many statues they got or how many cannons fired. 
But over a period of days, this is what they did. They battered these statues off these walls. As time went by, eventually the British forces showed up, the ground troops, to invade. And as they gave the call to invade, General Phipps and his artillery were of no use because they had no more ammo left. They had spent their time shooting at statues. So many times in my life and your life, we spend so much effort aiming at the wrong target. So much faith, so much mental preparation, so much emotion shooting at statues. And then when God calls us to step out into our city, step out into our families, to try to do something that takes faith, we have no emotional energy left because we can't charge the front line because we've been shooting at statues in our lives. I want to encourage you today. God has a plan for your life. God has an assignment for you. God has a mission for you. It's going to take every bit of faith, energy, resource you have. But so many times the church is so ineffective. It's so hunkered down in a room trying to survive because we spend our effort, our relationships, our resources, and our time shooting statues that don't matter. Shooting each other. Shooting uh, uh, out of frustration. Um, battling things that don't matter. Yesterday, I saw our, our church, you as a church, through your team yesterday, I saw them take ground in helping families. And as I was preparing this message, I said, no, sh- no statues were shot today. We shot through uh, poverty today. We shot through depression today. We shot through some anxiety today. Parents wondering how they're going to afford this. I had people leaving, some with, some with different English was not their native tongue, saying, thank you. Thank, they didn't know who I was. All they knew is they just wanted to thank anybody they could see. I wasn't helping. I didn't have a shirt on. I was just walking in. But they were so anxious to say thank you. They were saying thank you to anybody walking out, shooting at statues. I don't want to be a church. I don't want to be a person that spends my effort unloading the ammo of my life at targets that don't matter. It's exhausting shooting at statues. It's draining. It's emptied the cannons of our faith, aiming at the wrong thing, anxiety and stress, putting our faith towards things. Pastor Craig Rochelle says it best when he says it this way about stress and anxiety. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. Let me encourage you today, if I could sit four rows back and amen myself today and take this encouragement. If it's on your mind, know today it's on God's heart. Philippians 4 is about peace. It's about this war, this, this intersection, this, this battle between anxiety and stress and peace and a life of holiness, of good reputation, of nobility, of pureness that is honorable. It's this battle. I want to remind you today, if it's on your mind, listen to me, church, it's on God's heart. If it's small enough for you to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. God has you today. In Philippians 4, in verse 8 and 9 is where I really want to hunker down today. Let me read it again. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, verse 8. Fix your thoughts on what is true and an honorable, right and pure and lovely. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Let me read it from the New American Standard Version. It's another version. Because I like the way it says the ending of it a little different today. It says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, I like this, it says dwell on these things. Dwell. 
Our team, it's interesting as we get ready to celebrate our second birthday coming up in a few weeks, and we're going to be announcing it and promoing it, but uh, the theater had a double had a booking. We couldn't get Sunday morning, so uh, September 21st as a Saturday night, we're going to celebrate. We're going to have church on a Saturday night. Uh, not because we're that creative, it's because the Wiggles have the theater in the morning. So you can't get mad at the Wiggles, come on. The Blue Wiggle is my favorite, by the way, but we're, we're going but we're gonna to do church Saturday night, but... Uh, we're going through this two years as a church. A lot of our church moves a lot. Like our, our church team, they move from apartments to houses, from houses to apartments, from apartments to apartments, from houses to houses. They move. They start move down. And I feel like I'm a part-time mover because I just feel like that could be my day job. My second job is I'm Mike the Mover. There's Bob the Builder and there's Mike the Mover. And I just, I, just, I like to move it, move it. It's what I do. And we rent a truck and, and, uh, and we just pictured Madagascar right there. I did. And, and uh, moto, moto. No, Okay. So nice, say it twice. Nope, not going to do it. All right, we're going to focus this morning. But, but I, 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 we move people, and it's interesting to see them, and when they come, they come with, they start, they don't have a lot. It's like you can fit it in the back of a pickup truck, right? It's like you got to run around, run around the house to find somewhere to sit down. But then as they accumulate stuff, they get more and more stuff and bigger, bigger trucks and second loads and third loads. I'm not looking at anybody, Christian and Nicole, or, or I'm not looking at anybody, the Litos. These keep adding stuff, and keep moving and moving. But what's interesting, what's fun is to see people put down roots, to put down roots in a place, and that word dwell is what I picture. It's like we want somewhere to live. We want somewhere to build community. We want a, not a house, because a house can be an apartment. It can be a big house. We want a home, and we want to dwell there. That word dwell has this picture of just relaxing, living, breathing, vibrant. We dwell and we dwell in his presence. We live in God's presence. We dwell in unity. We're, there's this working together. And it says there in this verse, it says there's anything worthy of praise, dwell or live in these things. Scripture says make your home where things are right, pure, noble. This scripture is talking about us. What's interesting is if you go down to verse 9, it goes in and says, keep putting these things into practice. See, verse 8 is all about thinking. Verse 9 is all about doing. Verse 8 is all about what you think about, what's in your mind, what's going through your emotions. Verse 9 is what your life will look like. See, verse 8 proceeds, sets up, activates, and, 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 and leads to verse 9. Everybody wants verse 9 life. Let me read this. This is the kind of life I want. Putting things into practice, all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard me saw and doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Everybody wants the God of peace to be with them. Everybody wants to feel like I got God in my life, man. The God of peace. Doesn't matter what comes, what bill comes in the mail or online. Doesn't matter what someone says. Doesn't matter what ache I got in my body. I feel like I got God of peace with me. When you got the God of peace with you, it's a supernatural feeling. It's a supernatural living. It changes things. It's like there's a favor on you. It's like you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof. It's like there's something different. It's like you went into a phone booth and changed clothes and came out, walked in Clark Kent and came out Superman. There's something that happens when you feel God's presence on your life. God's presence makes a difference. I want to remind you, this is not a club. This is not a community. This is not just a little, a little get-together. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And what makes us different than anything else, else is we have got actively involved and invested in our journey and God can be with us. 
Everybody wants the God of peace to be with them. I want that. I hope you want that today. When we finish this service today, you can know you have God with you. Religion says you go to church. Faith says we is the church. There is a difference. See, some of you, you're still walking through that. I'm going to church, and, and, and you're trying, and you're on this journey, and there's room for you on this journey to figure it out. But at some point, it'll switch from, yeah, it's time for us to go to church, when you'll walk out going, I feel like I am the church. It changes everything. When I walk into a coffee shop, I feel like I'm having church. When I walk down the street, I feel like the church. Why? Because the church is not an event. It's an army. It's a mission. I feel like I'm on mission. I always feel like I'm, I feel like mission impossible. Like I always have my orders and then they self-destruct. I always, I'm like, is it that? My wife's this person. She cannot walk into a store without somebody confiding in her and start crying. It's really awkward when you're in the grocery line. I, 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 that's awesome that God is moving, but can you ring that through? Like, there's a lineup. I'm starting to ring things through myself. That's good. You know, you just keep talking, beep, you know, 10% discount. We're good. You know, just got a piece, you know. I need a piece of that discount right now, you know. Just. Everybody wants the God of peace. But to get verse 9, you've got to live verse 8. That's the way this work works. Everybody wants the promises of God. But there's also conditions to God. The promises are linked to his commandments. Everybody wants the forgiveness of God. But the commandment is repent and turn. Everybody wants the promise of eternal life, but the commandment of following Jesus. See, the promises are true and amen. So are the commandments. The commandments aren't there to punish us, but to direct us and lead us. See, verse 8 sets up, determines, progresses to verse 9. Verse 8 is to focus, is to think right. That's the focus of the verse, think right. Verse 9, the focus is to live right. Paul says to think about things that are true, right, lovely, pure, and admirable. Choose what to think on. Choose. I love that word choose. It's an intersection word. See, the greatest freedom we have in life is choice. People choose to get up and go to work on time or to stay in bed and hit the snooze alarm four times. People choose to be faithful in their marriage or people choose not to be. People choose to get an education or not to. People choose to come to church or not. There's a freedom. I, I do laugh, and I think we can laugh about it. Maybe you're going to find it awkward, but once in a while we get that talk of that Nova's a cult. I know none of you ever heard that, uh, ever. And my response is always the same. Well, if we are a cult, we're a really fun one. Yeah. If you didn't laugh, it's because you find that awkward, and it's okay. But, but, like, it's a joke, right? I'm just like, come on, like, lighten up a little bit. But the coffee's good. It's not Kool-Aid. It's coffee, right? There's, there is a difference. And... But I always, I, they're like, well, I said, well, what's a cult? Well, they all dress the same, talk the same, think the same. I'm like, so the Canadian Army's a cult. Because they all act the same, dress the same, look the same, do the same, right? I, I was like, here's, I, said, I just said, here's the difference. You know someone's in something they shouldn't be a part of. There's no choice. I want you to know today, and we love people, but if you want to walk out the door and never come back, we bless you. People jump on this team and jump off this team. People jump in this church and jump out of this church. And we love people. We're getting better at pastoring people. We have a lot to learn. But there is a freedom of choice. The power is in choice. Choice is the greatest freedom you ever have. But know this, you'll be slave to the choice you make. Some people choose bad choices, and you know the repercussions. Choose not to do honorable 
uh, finances in your business, and that's your choice, but then you'll be slave to the repercussions of when the tax man and the accountant and things, we become slave, we choice on how to deal with our relationships and marriages and kids, and then you are slave to those choices. I'm so thankful for God's mercy, but I can be a slave to righteousness, that I am a slave to blessing. Like, I guess I'm linked to blessing. I guess I'm chained to blessing. I guess the God of peace is with me because his promises are linked to his commandments. Verse 8 proceeds verse 9. Choice. It's an intersection word. It means look left and look right and choose. Whenever you come to an intersection, you have choices. What Paul's saying here is choose to think on. What he's saying is you're going to have a choice. Things are going to start to fill your mind, and you have a choice. Look left or look right. Choose what's honorable and pure and righteous, or choose to fill your mind with something else. But you need to know today, God gives us choice. He does not come in and control us. He does not come in and make us do things. But if you want the God of peace to be with you, it backs up that road, that destination where everybody wants to arrive, that destination of God of peace is with me, starts at an intersection called choice. And I'm learning this, that if I want the life of peace or if I want the life of anxiety, it starts with the choice of what will I think on? When I come to that intersection, what will get my emotions? What will get me riled up? What will get me passionate? What will entertain me? What will distract me? I'm at an intersection called choice. Verse 9 living starts with voice 8. Verse 8 thinking. More people fail due to broken focus than anything else. Broken focus. It's not how you start something, it's how you finish. And as we go into our third year as a church, I'm reminded that it's one thing to get excited about a church plan. But I'm so thankful for a team that says we're two years in, let's go, we're focused. And sometimes when my focus starts to fade, other people are like, no, no, we got this. We got to start giving more backpacks. We can go from 50 to 75 to 100 to 150. I'm like, right, 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 right. That's our focus. No, right, I'm not going to be shooting statues, conversations in my head with myself and others. No, 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 no. Let's unload our ammo at, at poverty, at injustice, at racism. I refuse to shoot statues with my life, but to go after the very powers of hell of racism and injustice and abuse and religion. You can't always control your thoughts. You ever realize that yet? You can't control your thoughts. But you can control what feeds them. You become what you feed on. I lived in England in my 20s. I remember living there, and I was, I was working at the YMCA. I'm not going to do the song, but young man. Just know that I worked at the YMCA. Are you listening to me? Young man. And... Uh, you're under 30, you're not getting that reference at all. But I just, no. Broken folk, no, I'm stop. New Brunswick, stop. I lived in England, and this young man named Nick, he was 12, this American kid. And when, when I travel, you always like, you're just like, oh, when you hear an accent like yours, because people make fun of you when you travel, it's like, oh, that's, oh, another, another person from North America, American, Canadian, awesome. I start talking to him, he's talking, and I'm confused, because he says he lives here, and so I pulled up one of my friends, I'm like, that kid Nick, where's he from? He's from, where's he from? And like, he's from here. And I was like, no, where's he, where do you grow up at? And I'm here. I'm like, he's, he's like, he's like, the accent? I'm like, the accent? He goes, he watches so much TV, he has an American accent. 
He said, he, since he was born, his parents let him watch so much TV, he talks with an American. I was like, you're kidding me. He's like, I'm completely honest. His siblings talk British. He talks American because he grew up watching the facts of life. Again, I lost a whole bunch of you right there. Just know you take the good, take the bad. You take them both. There you have. If you're over 30, you're the good givers. I'm playing to you today. Just know that. All right. <laughs> What went into Nick came out of Nick. His actions, please don't miss this, his life was a byproduct of what he thought. And what he thought was determined by what he let in. You can't control your thoughts. When you're at the place where the thoughts are bombarding you, you've already missed your intersection. The Bible says, focus on what is pure. What is pure. Three ways we get input, eyes, ears, and also through atmosphere. Let me encourage you to say, you can't dwell in pureness if you rent out a part of your mind to lust. You can't dwell in love if you rent out a room of your mind to anger. You can't dwell in honor if you share your space and living quarters with dissenters and mockers. Can't. Yeah, but did you hear? I don't know. Do you like? I don't like. And you wonder why we deal with things is because we've let someone live rent-free in our minds with their attitudes or their sin. We let things in. We let things, things that podcasts and TV shows and books we read and conversations we have. And listen, I am a big believer that what you let in becomes a part of what you think about and what you think about becomes what you live like and what you live like will be your legacy. Your legacy comes back to the choice of what you let in today. Pastor Mike, that's not really deep. No, but either is breathing, but it will change your life. I Googled this last night. What to do if you have a panic attack? Some of you are like, I had that saved on my phone. Breathe in and count to four. Hold it, count to four. Breathe out and count to four. So basic. My friends, what goes in will come out. Getting in shape, they say this. They say, it's less about the weight you lift in a gym, it's what you eat in a kitchen. They say fitness is actually not solved in a gym, it's solved in a kitchen. Because what you consume determines more than the weight you lift. Can I encourage you? It's not about how often you lift and come to church. It's what you consume in the kitchen of your life. That's the difference. No amount of work can make up for a poor diet. No amount of church can make up for a poor diet of atmosphere. Verse 8 is about thinking. Verse 9 is about acting. To change your actions, you change your thinking. To change your outflow, you change your inflow. Today, let me encourage you today. If you're on this journey of dealing with, maybe it's not anxiety for you. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's frustration. I don't know what it is for you. Know that God promises that we can dwell, live with, do community with, do life with the God of peace. But it starts with our thoughts. Choose today what you're going to think about. You want to help your thought life? Choose what the inflow is. Because once the inflow, you know, I'm around people and if they're consumed with a certain topic, like Brian, who's helping us today, he's consumed with triathlons and biathlons and he's running. And I start thinking about, it's amazing, I think about how far 
it would be to run downtown, how long that would take, and what would it be like to swim 5K. And I think about when I see bike, I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking about triathlons more. Why? Because the atmosphere I'm around talks about triathlons. I'm thinking about triathlons, but I don't feel like acting on a triathlon. Let me remind you today, church, there's a call on your life. There's a purpose for you. Listen to me, sir. You may have came here because it's the right thing to do, bring your kids to church, and I applaud you today. Ma'am, it might have been the right thing to do to get up and go to church today. But it's more than that. It's an assignment on your life. And the ammo of your years, God wants to launch at targets that will free people from sin and injustice and poverty and racism and abuse and depression and anxiety. You were meant for more than unloading your life at statues, shooting at statues of just status or just accumulating wealth or just venting about politicians, government leaders. It's more than just living in frustration because of people's attitudes. There's more to your life. You're supposed to aim at things that matter. There's a calling on your life to make a difference, and you know there is. That's why you're frustrated. It's a call to tackle injustice and apathy. There's a call to build community, families, and influence. There's a call to live pure, honorable, powerful lives. Let me ask you today, are you filled with the right ammo? That's your thoughts. How's your thought life today? And are you aimed at the right target? That's your actions today. Or are you shooting at statues? All over this place, as the worship team gets ready to worship, can we stand to our feet, all of us today? I'd like to pray for you as we close. In a moment, I'm going to pray for your thoughts. That you take inventory today. What's at this intersection? What am I allowing in? Like Nick in England, who let a lot of TV in, what are you letting in today? What conversations over coffee? What are you scrolling? through? What are you listening to? I guarantee that your actions are going back to your input. Think about things that are noble and pure and righteous, honorable and holy. I want to surround myself with things that are righteous, pure, noble and holy. And people that are righteous, noble, pure and holy. And then we can go to those that are not holy, not honorable, and not righteous and help them out of the mud they're in and lift them up and use our ammo to help people not complain about them as we dim the lights with every head bowed and every eye closed I'm going to pray for you in a moment but I want to start with this if you say Mike I don't know Jesus Christ I walked in here today I don't have a faith I know church I maybe gone to church I used to go to church I have some sort of maybe something with church maybe not but you don't know Jesus as God of peace we believe you can know Jesus. You can know God. He walks with you. He talks to you. It's a journey where you're never alone again. You may be alone in this life, but God is with you. He forgives your past, and he sets up your future. He walks with you in your daily. That's the Jesus we serve. If you want that Jesus today, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth saying, I want that, a miracle happens. Today, we want to pray for you. On the count of three, if that's you, with every head bowed, if you just want to raise your hand on the count of three and say, Mike, would you just pray for me? All we're going to do is pray and believe a miracle is going to happen. Today is your day. A miracle of faith is going to be birthed in your life, be made new. A new life, a nova life, a new life. On the count of three, if that's you, you want me to pray for you, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, 
three, if that's you all over this place, raise your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that. Put it right back down. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that. Put it right back down. Thank you so much. Might be a dozen hands this morning. Cheering you on. Can we pray together, church? Can we all pray this together? Worship team, can we all pray this? Repeat after me if, if you lifted your hand and if you're one of our church, come on, let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I give you my life again today. Would you take my past? Would you take my pain? Would you take my shame? Father, I give you my future, my talents and my dreams. Would you take my life? Would you make me new? I believe you're the Son of God, and I believe you died for me. Come into my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give a round of applause for that today. If you prayed that prayer, would you fill this card out again and take it to the tent? And we have a special gift, a really special gift for you. As we get ready to pray, read this, uh, play this song in worship, can we pray? If you said, Mike, I'm struggling with my thought life today. I'm struggling with my actions, the, the atmosphere in my life, the atmosphere in my home. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now that we have a living hope, The chains are broken. God, right now I speak to the very minds. We take every thought captive and we say, God, right now I speak nobility. I speak pureness. I speak righteousness. God, we want to dwell with you in peace. But God, would you help us choose where to shoot the ammo of our lives? God, we focus on things that are noble right now. Forgive us for mocking and bitterness. Forgive us for lust and apathy. Forgive us for dissension and disunity. Forgive us for compromise and comparison. God, just flood us with things that are good. Father, I pray for strength. I pray for peace. I pray for faith in you, not in fear today. Come on, church, let's sing this together. In Jesus' name.